AM 640. It's the Friday edition of the show. And it's already chaos. It's utter chaos. Stories are breaking faster than we can fix them. So we're moving stuff around. I'm still going to talk to the director of that uh, NASA project that found the Earth cousin. And we're going to spend a lot of time with him. The science is fascinating. And what they've discovered is interesting. We're going to go beyond that. And it kind of ties into where we're going here, though, about it's almost impossible now that there isn't life somewhere else in the universe based on the science. Almost impossible. And if there's life and there's there's that much of it, then it seems almost impossible that there wouldn't be intelligent life. So why haven't we heard from it? We'll get into all of that stuff purely in a scientific way coming up in the 12 o'clock hour now, just in case you were waiting for that here. We've had to move it because uh, we've been trying to track him down all morning, and we finally have Harlan Braun, very well-known defense attorney, and he is representing, among other people, obviously, he's representing the uh, the woman who was to be married to the guy whose garage contained 1,200 guns, uh, ammunition, seven tons of it, bows, arrows, knives, machetes. It's just incredible. And this woman is saying a lot of things about her fiancé that sound pretty far-fetched, including and involving aliens. And Harlan Brown is on the line right now. We appreciate your talking to us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, does she need a defense attorney because uh, with her fiance uh, gone, that re- this really kind of could fall on her, some of this, or is she not in any kind of legal trouble? Well, she didn't know initially, but uh, now that the police have investigated and the coroner's done the autopsy, uh, she doesn't really have any criminal liability at this point. In fact, she's sitting down with LAPD next week and it's going to submit to their questioning without any restrictions. Did she know about all this ammunition and 1,200 guns? I guess it would be hard not to know about it. Actually, she thought it was 500, because that's what I reported to the police um, based on her estimate. Uh, but she knew about it, and uh, she's been with him for 17 years, and she believed that he had some kind of an undercover uh, business that did jobs for various people. And she sincerely believed it. And, you know, of course, I didn't believe it at the beginning, you know, when she first came to me with a story about a body being out there for two weeks. Um, but I figured, what's what the hell? Let's report to LAPD. They can send a black and white out and see if the body's there. Turns out to be true. And then I told them about the guns, uh, based on what she told me, and they found the guns. So it's a very weird situation because there's no way to confirm why he would have all these guns, and all, particularly six and a half tons of ammunition. Well, yeah, that's a lot of ammunition. Do, do we know how he acquired it, over what period of time, how long has it been there, all that stuff? Right. No, we really don't know. I mean, the a lot of the guns still had price tags on it, and so did the ammunition. So it was all purchased uh, legally over a long period of time. We don't really know, have a way of estimating that. Remember, I got into this case very quickly. I reported the body within two hours of her coming to me. And so we had to act quickly. Then when we heard about the ammunition, can you imagine what would happen in the Palisades, Pacific Palisades, if there had been a fire with six and a half tons of ammunition going up? I mean, oh, yeah, it, it's it, easy it to imagine. The neighborhood. Yeah. It would have been an incredible explosion. Yeah. Attorney Harlan Braun is with us, uh, and he's representing Don Vadberger, who... Uh, he, no, I'm no. representing uh, uh, Christine Yes, Nebron. Don used yeah. to work for uh, Lash's right. fiance. And she's been talking publicly as well. And some of this stuff gets pretty out there. Now, you, you know, you're an attorney. You're a bright guy. You're looking at this, and you're trying to find a plausible explanation as to why he'd have all this ammunition. Yeah. So do you think it's possible that he was working for some kind of government agency or 
Uh, no, I, here's what I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, I think I believe he worked for a government agency in the past. I think he probably did have some kind of a business that did quote you know surreptitious jobs of some kind because we can't. I don't know of any explanation for all the money he's coming from. I mean, other than he had no means of support, so we're talking about millions of dollars. However. Having visited the place, even with the police taking all the guns, it's obvious that it made no sense to have that amount of guns. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So he could have been someone who sort of lost it after a while. He was a secret operative, then he was a private secret operative, and then he became obsessed because, I mean, the amount of material that we're going through it is at the uh, condo was unbelievable, and it would goes beyond what any you know neat person would need for a secret enterprise. You also have to ask yourself, how could he afford all of that? Did he have a day job? Did he have a, a recognizable form of income? No, that's really the key to this case. I mean, well, they say follow the money. I mean, if we could figure out who, where the money came from, then we would have an explanation about what he was doing. But right now, he has no visible means of support. He didn't seem to have any income. And the only explanation right now that I'm getting is from my client is that she believes he was getting the money from whoever was hiring him and, and others to do undercover work. Well, you had to get it somewhere. Like you said, some of his weapons still had price tags on them. It, was, yeah. Is she working? Was she maybe providing the money without knowing it? No, she wasn't. No, she was helping him run the business in the sense that she knew parts, you know, helped inventory stuff and did some paperwork. But she didn't know. He was very careful about not revealing exactly what he was doing, which is sort of consistent. I'm sure American spies, we have lots of them, uh, people that do undercover work. They don't tell their spouses what they're doing. They have some kind of, oh, I work at so-and-so, such-and-such a company. So that's consistent with what American you know, legitimate spies would be doing. Yeah, but legitimate spies, I mean, you, you want to keep a low profile. That wouldn't include that kind of ammunition. Oh, no. I mean, he could yeah. have armed oh, an right. army, right? That's correct. That's why he had to have lost his mind at some point because it makes no sense. If you get in there, you can't even step through the rooms without piles of things. I mean, and the tools and the obsession. It's a, But you know, he wasn't a survivalist because there wasn't water and, and food and that type of thing. So God knows what he was preparing for. So you're... Most logical explanation so far is that he was in some kind of legitimate security business or maybe even uh, uh, undercover work of some True. kind, and then mental illness struck. Something had to have happened because the quantity of stuff is beyond any explanation. Now, we are still uh, looking. We haven't. We were so busy. He has 14 vehicles uh, uh, registered to him. Wow. We've located seven of them. Uh, we haven't examined them, but three of three, four of them, uh, we have talked to the person who modified them. They're modified for like going through water, a desert, you know, desert work, all kinds of stuff. Not fully militarized, but certainly used for some purpose other than driving around Los Angeles. So, hopefully by the weekend or, or next week, we can examine those and see what what was going on. But he was spending a lot of money modifying vehicles. Then you go to media reports where people sort of close to your client and uh, her fiancé are saying, yeah. you know, he he was believed to be an alien sent to Earth to protect us. Now it's really coming out of left That's field. crazy. Yeah, that's totally nuts. Uh, I think what happened, you know, when, when, is, when, when there is a weird 
story, people fill in it. I think some people made the comment of he acted like an alien or something, and then it, it morphs into him being an alien. That's totally ridiculous. I think that's coming from Don's mother up in Ventura. My client, I asked her about that. Uh, that was never her. She was with him for 17 years. She never thought he was an alien. He, she knew exactly that he was a human being, and uh, that's crazy. Well, the mystery is deep enough. It doesn't need that angle, but... Yeah, anytime you have a mystery, then people try to fill it in with something even crazier right. than the truth. So the truth is there somewhere. I think, I mean, my guess, and remember I'm speculating, is that he had some kind of a secret organization that didn't do things for money, and he must have lost his mind at some point because the having been and seen what he accumulated makes no sense. Thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Attorney Harlan okay. Braun, who's representing the fiancé of the man who... Uh, was stashing away all of those guns in Pacific Palisades. It's uh, just absolutely bizarre. And uh, you heard the description of she seems to be pretty upfront. I mean, uh, that she's the reason the body was discovered and the weapons were turned over to police and the whole thing. So now let's see if we can follow this. Uh, Lash was believed, according to the New York Daily News, to be an alien sent to Earth to protect us, according to Laura Van Vadberger, the mother of 39-year-old Don Vadberger, who used to work for the fiancé of the guy who was stashing all of the guns. And Joe Kwan spoke to the mother. Oh, we'll figure it out when we come back from the break. But, but yeah, it's uh, Joe Kwan's interview. We're going to air the whole thing. You've heard some of the sound bites in the news, but we're going to get to all of it coming up here. But first, Libby, what else is going on? AM 640, Bill Carroll. All right, do not go anywhere. This story, as it unfolds, gets crazier and crazier, okay? We just heard from the attorney for a woman whose fiancé turned up dead, his decomposed body in an SUV in Pacific Palisades. You know this story. It's been everywhere. And then they go to the guy's house, and it is packed. The garage is packed with ammunition and weapons. I mean, literally, he could have started a war. ISIS would like to have this guy's supply. It was incredible. As the lawyer said, if there had been a fire in that neighborhood, a block or two could have been leveled by it. It's just incredible. But it gets stranger. So this guy who lived in this home filled with guns was believed to be a human-alien hybrid secretly working with the U.S. government by his fiance and a woman for, who worked for her, whose name is Dawn Vad Bunker of Oxnard. Now, I've been talking about her. But here's the other interesting thing. Here's we go a, a layer deeper. That woman was last seen by her family on the same day that the guy whose body they found, who had all those weapons, Jeffrey Lash, died. That's the last time she she's missing. So what is going on with this story. I mean, it's beyond bizarre. We spoke to Dawn Vad Bunker's mother this morning. Brian spoke to her. I was in the room at the time. She's refusing to do any more media interviews. She did speak to some media, but she's refusing to do any more because, of course, this story and this, this talk about human-alien hybrids and U.S. government operatives is getting a lot of attention for reasons that are easy to understand. Our Joe Kwan had a chance to speak to her, though. And now I just want to explain 
not that you need too much detail on this, but interviewing somebody live on the air is a very different thing than being a reporter when you go out there with a microphone and you're asking questions to get sound bites for the news. A very different style and technique. And so, you know, to, Joe was not trying to do this live to air. What, what a reporter is doing is they'll they'll pick and prod and back up and move around. And you try to as, dig for things that normally you wouldn't do on the air. You kind of take chances you wouldn't do right. live in an interview. And you might ask ask a question two or three times because you think by coming at it a different way, you'll get a better sound bite. So all of that is kind of in there. And I just want you to understand that because Joe did not intend this interview for air. And we've edited out some parts of Joe as well because uh, that's the technique she's using. That's She's being a reporter. But it's still, it's just you've got to hear this stuff. So the first thing you want to know is, all right, where do you think your daughter is? We have no idea. Well, she dropped the letter off on the 16th of July from Sacramento, or somebody did. And it's her, her handwriting, and she, left, she wrote us a note. What did the note say? The note said, um, basically, that um, Bob had died, and he fought, he fought a strong battle during death, which confirms that I know she was there. It would be shown on tape behind Bristol Farms. I mean, I know she was there. Now, when you say where, where, what do you mean she was there when, when? When he died. Mr. Nash? Of course. And you called him Bob. What is his name? I've only known him as Bob. Um, They're pretty secretive about that. I believe that... Catherine Nebron knew his name, but everyone else knew him as Bob. That's the only name I've ever been I've ever been given. Now, Laura, Laura, tell me. So this is uh, Laura Vadbunker, whose daughter is missing and worked for the man whose body was found decomposing and all of these uh, weapons and ammunition in his home. Uh, why she thinks that her daughter was with this guy when he died? She would be with Bob and Catherine for five times a week. I went twice and saw him. Um, same location. And you had confirmation in that letter, and the letter said what exactly regarding the death? That he fought a hard fight. Exact words. And when did you get that letter? It had to have been like maybe three days after the 16th, three or four days. Is there like a special thing that uh, that she does in her writing that you can tell it was hers? Yes. How she needs time to heal, how she needs to help save the world, and she's going to a place where people can help her heal that believe the same way. Oh, I guess I was mentioning the physical, actual physical handwriting. How can you tell that that, that was your daughter's handwriting? Because of everything else in my house and her handwriting, I know her handwriting quite well. Joe Kwan speaking to Laura Vadbunker, whose daughter is missing. Now you hear that. Uh, she doesn't believe her daughter is dead. She believes her daughter has, was there when her employer died, put up a, some kind of great fight, and now she's vanished to heal or do whatever it might be. If I'm the police, I'm also thinking, could be a suspect in the case of this murder. I don't think that's too big a leap, is it? At the very least, the suspect. Maybe not ultimately the one, but... All right, so what was her daughter's connection to all of this and the company? And we're going to get into that, or Joe Kwan is going to get into that when we come back after a news break here. From the KFI Newsroom with an update.
KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Check out our uh, webpage today, KFIAM640.com, Bill Carroll page, and you will see, and our social media and stuff as well, you'll see a video that Sylvie sent to me this morning. Uh, they're up in uh, northern Canada. She's visiting family. She sent me a video of my two kids, and I had to sit down. Whoa, whoa, they're doing, whoa, 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 what are they doing? What it? And, and I have to stop and think to myself, what does a father do in this situation? Do I just stay out of it? Am I being overprotective? My helicopter parent, go see the video. We'll talk about it later in the show, uh, about an hour from now, as a matter of fact. Okay, let's get back to the story of the weapons and the ammunition found in the Pacific Palisades after a body, decomposed body, was found in an SUV. Uh, Brian, I want you to jump. I've got it clear in my head now, but it's hard to explain. So feel free to jump in at any time as I describe the players. Can you see? Look, I did a little line chart. I've written it all out, so I, I got it very clear. The dead guy was 60 years old. His name is Jeffrey Lash. He was engaged for a very long time to a woman named Catherine Nebron. Another woman named Dawn Vadbunker from Oxnard worked for them. She's missing. Jeffrey's dead. Catherine Nebron, she called an attorney, Harold Braun, Harlan Braun, who informed the police. That's how they found the body. That's how they found all the weapons, the ammunition, seven tons of it basically a garage load. So these are the players. So there are suggestions that this group was a little nutty. Here's the, the attorney's theory, that at some point Jeffrey Lash maybe did work in some kind of valid security business, maybe even a government agent of some kind. Somewhere along the line, though, he flipped his lid. He went a little cuckoo, and he started maybe telling people that he was this government agent and over-collecting things. Who knows? It sounds like his employee, Don really believed that this guy was an alien, well, an alien-human hybrid from a water planet, I will add, who was there when Jeffrey died and has now gone missing. Laura Vadbunker, the mother of the woman who worked for this couple, she talked to the media a little bit yesterday, but now she's realized, well, what have I started here? She backed off. So we're going back to Joe Kwan's interview with her yesterday. And remember, it's kind of disjointed because Joe's a reporter. She's circling back at times trying to get details and, and information. But So we thought we'd let you hear it pretty much the way it unfolded. So you have to be a little bit patient with it because it's not recorded to be a live on-air interview. Uh, so she tried to dig in a little bit more about what was your daughter's connection to this couple? worked for Catherine as a property manager. Catherine owns a lot of properties on Main Street, Ventura. Don is a property manager to what Catherine owns. So they've known each other for quite a long time. I can't tell you exactly how long. Now, I should add to that, uh, Catherine's attorney told us that that's not where the money was coming from to get all of these weapons. Whatever property manager, whatever property they own, he didn't give the impression there was a lot of money floating around, at least not when I talked to him live half an hour ago. For a long time, we'll go with that. Okay. And then also, she, your daughter also did some healing kind of stuff? Apparently. News to me. Wow. When you heard this story, did like you... Like healing, like psychic healing? Mystical healing? Like Reiki, the kind of stuff that, uh, you oh, know... Oh, crazy stuff, yeah. yeah. Okay. you make the connection there? We made the connection before the story came out. It's the same address as Catherine's. It's within, what? 
it's it's the same. So we made the connection the minute we heard the story, and I knew. Um, I knew and told my husband he would be found in an SUV, what color it was. I don't know the make, but I um, believed it was an old suburban, dark blue. I, that still hasn't come out, but I know the truck I was in, setting. I know the truck that came every week. I mean, it's got to be. Okay, Joe Kwan talking to Dawn, uh, Laura Vadbunker, whose daughter Dawn worked for the dead guy, Jeffrey Lash, and his fiance Catherine Niebuhr, uh, Niebron. Dawn is missing. What does mom think happened to her daughter? That she's messed up, that she's believed this story, that um, he was some type of CIA, CIA operative, that he was half alien, half man, and totally bought into this hook, line, and sinker and ran with it. And it's sad. Yeah, I don't think Laura buys the story, but her daughter bought the story. Worth hearing that one again. He was some type of CIA, CIA operative, that he was half alien, half man, and totally bought into this hook, line, and sinker and ran with it. And it's sad. Well, why not? Sounds totally logical to me, doesn't it to you? Uh, why does she think it's all connected somehow to her daughter? And you had mentioned with Catherine that you kind of, you you knew that your daughter's boss was connected to this, her possible disappearance. Can you explain now why you knew? Okay. I told my husband on the third that Bob was dying because I felt him dying. I, I felt this connection. Okay, so her daughter's a little off the wall for thinking that, you know, this guy's an alien. And she knows that because she felt a kind of connection. And you had mentioned with Catherine like that you kind of, you, you knew connection? that your daughter's boss was connected to this, her possible disappearance. Can you explain now why you knew Okay, I told my husband on the third that Bob was dying because I felt him dying. I, I felt this connection. I am in the health field. It's just something I picked up that he was dying. And then on the fourth, when she wasn't here. Okay, health field. She noticed something about him that just he didn't look well. That doesn't sound like the same as connected. I don't know. I'm a bit confused. Push on, Joe. See what you can find out. And she had wrote the morning of the fourth. I'm going to stay a couple more days. That's very odd. Why would you do that when you were? she was supposed to be helping me with a party? And during that day, I got the weirdest feeling, and I told my husband, Bob died. That's not a health care thing, now. That's a psychic thing. And then after that, no contact, and that we really didn't worry about it till like, Wednesday, Thursday. And I says, okay, I'm for, for sure he's dead, or she'd be home. For sure he's died. Well, that's just maybe using logic. Why do you think your daughter just didn't come home then? You you think she she's worried for her life? Because no, I have no idea. Why didn't Cat? Why did? Why was Catherine in Oregon? Why didn't they just call nine one one? Because they truly believe, truly believe, he's higher than a CIA operative. Totally convinced he was alien and man and out to save the world. Right, because one version of the story, remember, was that he died and they tried to revive him and they couldn't, and 
So then you just leave him and you report it days and days later. But now we know why, because they thought he was a CIA operative. I don't know. And I'm not alien. in that mindset. And hearing all this... Did she say she's not in that mindset? She psychically felt that he was dead, but these other people have crazy thoughts? Operative. Totally convinced he was alien and man and out to save the world. And she doesn't How believe this that can happen? I don't know. I'm not in that mindset. And hearing all this, I mean, what's your kind of reaction? You first, there's this mystery of a body with tons of guns. Did you, you never went to their home then? Never. I'm very angry. I'm angry that you cannot care for a dying person and leave them there. I, I've worked hospice. I'm, I'm very upset that, it, that anyone would let a dog lay in a car, let alone a human being, and let alone someone that I really really took pity on. I, I did. It was awful. He was very sick. Do you know what he suffered from just in generic Well, terms? I was told two things. I was told he was poisoned by, by someone higher than a CIA operative. That's the first time. When I met him, I said, Bob, do you know what you were poisoned with? And he didn't answer. Both women answered. Oh, no, 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 no. He had a brain infection, a brain infection. The third story that comes out, which I just heard yesterday, was that he was in end stages of cancer. New news to me. This is the third story. So how can I get three different stories from the same women? No, there's something wrong, and it's not truthful. Do you think that that your daughter is somehow brainwashed? or Yes, what? I do. Can you say that? Yes. I believe that she's been brainwashed. I believe that she believed everything that Catherine told her and everything that Bob told her. And Joe got a great soundbite there by asking the question again. Just now, can you say that out loud? Say that out loud. Oh, you're not turning this off, right? So CIA or poison or and brainwashing and aliens and uh, what a strange story gets stranger by the minute. When we come back, Joe is going to push her on this idea of brainwashing and why did her daughter not come home? And then some final words from a mother to a missing daughter. Coming up next. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Killer on the in Orange County. We'll talk about that coming up after the 11 o'clock news. I got a bunch of emails from people like Robert who said, uh, guys, you need to talk to Eric Leonard. He was on with John and Ken yesterday. He knew this guy, knew more about his income and how paranoid he was. Uh, well, we had a kind of a hunch that since Eric already told that part of the story on the air, we didn't need to repeat that. And given the number of emails we've had from people saying they already heard it, good call, Brian. No, we get that. But this is a different point of view. And Eric, I heard a bunch of that interview this morning again. We played it back. Uh, Eric knew that he was making money by moving money around and investing money and stuff. But uh, I, we're still specifically trying to figure out where he got all the money originally. And the lawyer for his fiance doesn't think that there was enough income to explain the kind of money that he was spending. So there's still a lot of mystery to it. And uh, there are different perspectives. And this one is really interesting as well. So that's why we're just going to finish up with that. And let's thank you very much. We're not redoing the John and Ken show. We got different stuff here. And Joe Kwan's interview with this woman whose daughter is missing and who worked for the couple, this is pretty fascinating as well. Okay, we got a 60-year-old dead guy, Jeffrey Lash. We've got a fiancé, Catherine Nebron. 
We got an employee, Dawn Vadbunker. Dawn is now missing. Her mother, Laura, talked to Joe Kwan on the phone yesterday. He's not talking to the media anymore. And uh, this story is a different version, different angle on it. And it's really interesting. Where is this missing woman, for example? What what happened to her? What does her mother think? What else does she know? I can tell you a story he told one day that was pretty awesome. He told me, pretend that there's a building in front of you, and then there's a wall along way far back, and there's snipers behind that wall way far back, and they see people going in. You see people going in all day long all day long, all day long, but you never see anyone come out. Then a bomb goes off. What would you do? This was a question presented to me. I said, I would run towards the building. And he said, you've passed the test. I says, I didn't know. I was having a test. He would talk in parables as, um, as to see what one would do during certain circumstances. Would you run away from a problem or would you head towards it? I think that's what he was getting at. Like, would you try to help the people or would you run away because of a bomb? Okay. Interesting guy. Clearly eccentric at the very least. But Joe dug around a little bit more about her daughter. I mean, why why is she not coming home? Why do you think your daughter just didn't come home then? You you think she's She's worried for her life because no, I have no idea. Why didn't Kat, why did why was Catherine in Oregon? Why didn't they just call nine one one? Because they truly believe, truly believe, he's higher than a CIA operative. Totally convinced he was alien and man, and out to save the world. How this can happen, I don't know. I'm not in that mindset. Okay, so. Some final words from a mom about her daughter? She's had a bad childhood. This is all true. Had a very destructive mother as a child. This is all documented and true. Didn't have a father. That's documented and true. Known Dawn for eight to nine years. She used to date our son. Had a house together. Didn't work out. My son left. She didn't. She was always here. So we were very loving and fond with Dawn. So just to be clear, as a mother figure or adoptive mother, and that's why she's speaking about her past family. And she treated us very kind, very loving, and talked about adoption one day, and a week later it was done. We found nothing really weird with that. I mean, neither did the judge. It just it may sound weird to some people, but if you've never had parents, it wouldn't sound weird to you. We all want parents. Yeah. We all want someone to love us, to care for us, and to be present. And we were all that. And you feel deceived because now she's just disappeared? Yes. I think any normal, rational thinking person would be a lot angrier. Do you you have a message to your daughter? Yes. She can never give us back what she took in her whole lifetime. It won't happen, and it will not happen. Do you want her to come back, or at this point you want to wash your hands? 
Our hands are washed. Wow. Joe Kwan, thanks for providing us that uh, that raw tape interview. That's just unbelievable. Laura Vad Bunker, whose adopted daughter Dawn, is still out there somewhere, still missing. You know what it sounds like? You've got this guy, Jeffrey Lash, like uh, his fiance's lawyer said, maybe he, he maybe he had some kind of training, worked in security of some kind, but somewhere along the line, he, he lost it. And he had a little cult around him, a little cult of people who bought into it, who got brainwashed, who believed it. And this missing woman from Oxnard is probably one of them. And she's probably out there safe and sound, but afraid that the CIA or that the aliens or something is coming to get her. And she's hiding out. I, I, I still circle back to, is she a suspect? How is this guy dead? She was the last one to see him. Or a victim of another suspect. Right. I mean, I don't know. Well, if they find her alive, she is suspect number get one. Get back in your clock, cuckoo. <laughs> you talking to me now? <laughs> there are a lot of clocks in this story, don't you think? A house full of clocks, ticking clocks everywhere. Tick, 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 tick. It would drive you insane, the sound of all the clocks ticking and all the little birds coming out. Of there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, a couple of things in the next hour, one of which is the video you have to see right now, KFIAM640.com. The video Sylvie sent me from the northern reaches of Canada today. What are my kids doing now? Am I okay with this? Or am I just being paranoid? We'll talk about that coming up. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.